Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Menu Podcast. Thank you for spending your time listening to Whitney and I today. Whitney and I both grew up in Three Forks, Montana, and she has an agriculture background, thought she would deviate away from agriculture, and found herself back on a farm raising her family. I love this conversation with Whitney. She is a creative by nature, and she's really using her skills and talents and her passions to approach agriculture differently. Plus, she is one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Her reels, which I talk about several times in the episode, are hilarious. She does an exceptional job at showing the ins and outs of farm life. So I hope that you settle in, enjoy this podcast, and get to know Whitney a little bit better. Welcome back to the Cattleman You Podcast. Today I have Whitney on, and Whitney and I both grew up in the same little community. She just was outside of town a little bit. And so I've known her, I would say my entire life. And she can probably correct you if I'm wrong, but she has come from an agriculture background. And I think life's journey in her mind didn't always include agriculture, but she is back on an operation now. And so I'm excited to have you here telling your story. Yes, I'm excited to be here. It's funny how we all like connect back through egg after leaving our hometown or. Absolutely. Yes. And I actually just, we're both from, well, do you consider Three Forks or Willow Creek? Uh, Three Forks, just because that's where I went to school. Yep. So we're both from Three Forks and I just read an article somewhere that Three Forks is the wealthiest small town in Montana. (laughs) I sent it to my friends. I'm like, Apparently, they were not looking at our family. No, I yeah, that's actually shocking. I mean, I get, obviously, the growth that has happened in the last decade, five years, um, but I would not have guessed that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I found that fact really interesting. But tell me a little bit about kind of your agriculture background and then kind of all the ebbs and flows and then where you ended up today. For sure. So like you said, I grew up in egg. Um, I was probably not as hands-on as like in my childhood as some kids are who grow up in the industry. I think I started out that way and then we moved to town a little bit. And so I didn't spend my summers working on the ranch. I kind of was, I was able to um, do my own thing, have my own summer jobs. And from a very early age, I think I saw the challenges that came with egg Um, And so in my mind, I just did not think that that was where I would end up. It wasn't what I saw for my future. Um, That doesn't mean that I didn't, you know, respect my dad and what he did and where we were from and that type of thing. I just like, you know, you see the hardships of it. And when you're little, it's it can can be a lot when you, you know, you're seeing the baby calves die or the hard winters or your dad's irrigating all summer long. And it's like, oh, I just I don't know if that's for me. And so when I left to go to college, I was you know, on my own path, not going to do agriculture. And then I met my husband. He too grew up on a ranch. 
And so he had a background, a background in egg. And he probably was, well, he was definitely more involved in his operation. His summers, you know, he was spent working on the ranch. And so even though at the time he didn't necessarily know if he'd end up back in egg, I think I think part of him did kind of know that was the end goal, even if I didn't see it at the time. But he went ahead and pursued his career in the oil field, which brought us to eastern Montana. And then I don't know why I thought that would be an easier, <laughs> easier way to go, because that also, uh, you know, comes with a lot of volatility. And so we did that. He was in that for about a decade and I was doing photography. I always knew I didn't want a traditional nine to five job. And so I had actually studied art in college, did photography. I also knew that that would be a nice, a nice gig when I decided to have children too, just because you set your own hours and that type of thing. And so we were each doing that. And then as the oil field does this, it kind of ebbs and flows and booms and busts. And so we hit that kind of bust with the oil field and he had to be gone a lot. And we had a couple small children at that point, and we were just looking for something different. And so when the opportunity to buy the hay, par hay farm presented itself, we were more than ready to, more than ready to get back into egg and kind of take that risk and go from there. And I think one of the unique things, I mean, you're raising young kids in agriculture. And, you know, one thing that I think you can see in your work ethic, and I think is one of the reasons that we want to raise kids in agriculture is the lifestyle to raise kids who get to see those ebbs and flows, those hardships, but also the beautiful moments. Like there's, there's something that's so special about that, that almost can't be duplicated unless you're out in that dirt and that fresh air. For sure. It really prepares you for real life a lot sooner. There's just nothing like growing up on a farm or a ranch as far as getting that real life experience. I think it just makes kids more well-rounded too later in life, even if even if they don't see it now or you don't see it when you're young, it just really does really shape you for adulthood. I agree. And I see this huge movement of people who have no agriculture background wanting to start a homestead you know, start kind of a hobby operation. And it always makes me wonder if I don't appreciate our lifestyle as much when I'm like, people are leaving these, what looks like very cool lives, right? Busy, they have all the amenities and they're moving to the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, it is so interesting to me that what I am, you know, it's like when you're in it, you don't see quite the other opposite side, but I'm like, people are leaving what I would think would be such a cool experience to kind of homestead and almost start over, which leads me to believe that this lifestyle and the way that, you know, farming and ranching does obviously is a huge draw and kind of that slowness. I mean, we've talked slowness, right? It's very seasonal, but it is something that I've noticed you really talk about a lot on your social media platforms and you kind of show the real side of it, right? When you're out in the field all the time, but you also show kind of that beautiful side that you can really settle into and homesteading is an interesting word, but you, I mean, I know you're big with your chickens and some other things <laughs> that just kind of show what can be possible when you kind of change your lifestyle, which is what it looks like you guys have done, right? You have a new house out on the operation. Yes. Yep. So we lived in town when we first bought the farm um, with the goal of building a house out here. 
And then when the pandemic hit, we sold our house real fast. We're like, okay, we're getting out of town (laughs) and moved into the old farmhouse that was out here so that we could build. And then, you know, just it stalled a little bit in the building process. But we are in the new house out here, which is amazing. We're happy to be living out here. And we've been out here for a while now. But there's nothing like a pandemic to really make you realize that you need some open space. So and I get like the rush to or, you know, the appeal in homesteading and raising your kids with a little freedom and room to run. I mean, we definitely wanted that. We see the benefits of it. We always have. Um, It just that really made us like pushed us to do it a little bit sooner than we thought we would. Absolutely. What what is your role on the operation? I know that you are in the field during certain seasons. Um, so what does that kind of look like? And how do you think that position is growing a little bit? Yes. So summers are busy. Um, and really, I always say, you know, Kevin's the head of operations and I'm his favorite farmhand, which may be true on certain days, but <laughs> probably not. But really, my role is just kind of dependent on what needs done on any certain day. Um and it's it's changed every summer. I feel like I've had more of a role on the farm, especially as my kids get older. When they were babies, you know, my priority was always raising them, being with them, you know, and, and babies can be in tractors too. We did that for years and it was fine. But now that they're a little bit older, I can take on a more active role. And so the last two summers, I really have gotten to be in the field a lot. Um, I'm generally raking hay is kind of my number one. But then I also get to help with irrigating. Um, this last summer, even Kevin had to be gone quite a bit. And I was left in charge of irrigating for the first time the whole farm. And I was like, okay, let's, let's dive right in. Let's do this. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't done perfectly or whatever. He came back. He's like, I think you missed a couple spots. I'm like, yeah, but when you do this, you're doing this with me in a supporting role. You just left me alone with all three children. So it's done. It might not be perfect, but it's done. So it's, it's been fun to get to take on a more active role. And same thing with this summer, I'm even cutting back my hours with photography even more so that I can help more and just be out here for the full summer and not have to worry about being gone or finding somebody to hang with the kids or whatever that looks like. Yeah, that's really cool that you are able to kind of, I mean, the the photography allows you to be really flexible, but also as women in agriculture and operations, I feel as if there's this season, right, of raising kids. And I remember my poor sister-in-law, there was nothing more that she wanted to do than be outside. Mm -hmm. And she had her first baby in December. And she's like, I just want to get outside and start to do things. And it's like this really special season when you're home raising kids. And that is, there's no more important role, right, than raising the next generation. But there is this tipping point and you're getting close to it where it's almost like, okay, they don't need me as much day to day. And so I can be more involved in the operation. And I think there's a lot of magic to having you involved in the operation. And I'm sure your husband would agree, just like my brother says, I'm his favorite and least favorite sister. You probably are his favorite and least favorite farmhand. So there is this special tweak and it's almost like you're right there. Like your kids are just at that age where you can really start to be more as involved in operation as you want. website designed, logo for your business, or help with social media? Did you know that Kairos Company is a full-service design and marketing company? We do everything from websites to logo designs, consulting, and social media. We'd 
love to support small rural businesses like yours. Reach out today at krosecompany.com backslash rural-business-marketing to get your quote. For sure. And with my oldest being 10 um, and with technology and FaceTime, I mean, I it's our house is just right borders one of the fields. So I can be in the field, he can be in the house with the other two. And if something comes up that they need me, they can get in touch with me. So it's not like they're being left alone. They're, you know, where they can look out the window and see us essentially. And so there's a lot more freedom now that our oldest is a little bit older. And just with technology, I mean, it helps. And our youngest likes to still be in the tractor. So that helps too, because he's only five. So he'll hop in with Kevin or I for the most part and take a nap or whatever. He'll hang out in the tractor just fine. But our older two are now at the age where they're a little bit more independent. We feel comfortable letting them have their independence. And we also, especially me, I have some freedom to do what I'd like to do on the farm too. You've always been really creative. I mean, obviously as a photographer and you studied art in college, how do you think, or what are some creative things that you have brought to your guys' family operation? Or even, I know you're starting a well, you're advocating on social media, but it seems a little bit more than that to me. And so what kind of creative aspects have you been noticing or bringing to the table? I think I have always been more technological drawn than Kevin. And so for me, I'll like the farm website. I'm like, okay, the farm needs a website. He's like, well, what do we, what do we need a website for? Like I just sell our hay to the, you know, through word of mouth and it works great. I'm like, I, I get that. And it does work great. And we're lucky that works great. But, you know, sometime we may need to sell hay online. So let's get that going, have that set up now so that it's, it's ready. Um, it's ready if we need it. And that's kind of the main way I do it. We haven't, we were lucky that we don't need to do a lot of marketing. And I think he'll ask for photos of hay, that type of thing. I'm always willing to do that. I like to tell him, I'm like, we have to take family photos in the hay every couple of years, which he would never, he would never think we need to do. But I'm like, you do have to put a face to the business and that type of thing. And he does say, which I don't know if he likes it or not, but I think he does, that I'm the face of the business or the face of the hay farm just because I am the one that talks about it the most. I'm the one that's on social media. He has very little interest in that. And so I get to kind of use social media as a creative outlet which is nice for me because I am a creative person. I need that creative outlet. And so I can use that to kind of fulfill that creativity and also market the farm or even just showcase our way of life. Yeah, one thing that I really admire about you in particular on social media, sometimes I feel on social media that the people telling the story are not actually doing any work. And I mean that in a very nice way, but if I had my phone out 24-7, I mean, you can probably hear exactly what your dad would be saying to you. I can hear my dad too, right? Put that right. away. We got work to do. And you do a very good job of sharing and capturing, but also capturing like you're doing the actual work as well. And I really admire that because it just feels like sometimes creators on social media almost feel so disconnected. I'm like, of course you can capture everything. You know, you're just the cameraman. Like right. we got to have someone who, and see the perspective of sharing the story and doing the work. And you do that really beautifully. 
And I think people like to see me mess up. I don't know if that makes it more relatable or more real, but I always feel like, you know, the posts where I'm complaining or I just got in trouble for something or I broke down, um, people like seeing that stuff. So I think also the fact that all of that translates. If you're in egg, you know, there's going to be days where you're just not into it or your spouse is having you do something that you're just like, why am I the one doing this? And so I like to show that aspect of it um, because I think there's plenty of people that show the romantic side of agriculture. And I love that. I think, you know, showcasing egg in any way is great, but it's not all romantic. There is a lot of nitty gritty moments that are not pretty and um, really hard, but you know, they're the backbone of egg, those, those kind of unseen, maybe forgotten parts of agriculture. What do you think is the best thing you've learned since really sharing your story? And then maybe also go into kind of your, the way you share your story on social media and kind of what that looks like on top of just sharing about the hay. Okay. Best thing I've learned. (laughs) Let me think on that. I mean, I actually consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm somebody who never shies away from taking a course or trying something new, whether it's web design or, you know, or more specifically a social media course. I just like to learn. I have always been that way where I'm like, I tell Kevin this and he's like, it's not a word. I say it's everything is figure outable. So if there's something I want to do, I'm going to figure it out. And a lot of times I do stuff by trial and error and I figure it out that way or, you know, I'll, I will do the traditional take a course, learn through that. So I feel like I'm always learning. I do think for me that like the chickens have been a rewarding thing to learn about just in that it's something completely separate from the farm. It's just kind of my thing, even though it started out as the kids' thing. And so that's something that, you know, I found out about myself later that I'm like, oh, you actually you do like raising animals here. You didn't think you had a knack for it. And it turns out you like it. And same thing with gardening. I'm like, I'm terrible at it, but just the being outside and that type of thing too. I'm like, it's one of those things that I enjoy. And so I'm going to keep at it. And then what, I mean, for the listeners who might not know, you share pretty heavily on Instagram. Is that your number one platform? Yes. I also have a blog, Whitney Out West, which is a lifestyle blog. And it's really more of a like farming lifestyle blog in that I share our experiences on the farm, um, different things that my kids have learned on the farm, share about chickens. And just it's so it's more farming lifestyle than lifestyle. But it's all from my point of view, um, which I think is unique to blogging. Yeah, it's interesting because I think blogging is so powerful and I still read blogs, but you hardly ever hear anyone talk about creating blogs, which I know I'm reading them, so I know other people are. But And I think blogs are really cool at the sense of your kids are going to be able to look back and read about these stories. And now you have all boys, so they might never want to dive in and read about them, but I'm sure someday their spouses might be interested in diving in and, and reading all about their childhood and, you know, things like that. And it is such a cool place to document and even just write the stuff we would consider boring. I mean, it's like the day to day. That's what people want to hear about. For sure. And I'm kind of a natural storyteller. And since I like photography, it's easy for me to include pictures and tell that story. And whether I, you know, I always think this with blogging, even if I'm the only person that reads it, or I just get joy out of putting it out there, it's worth doing because it's out there. Like it's been written, it will be there. 
you know, maybe down the line, somebody else will enjoy it. I mean, people do read the blog. <laughs> I do check the analytics. I'm not just doing it for myself. But I mean, even if it was just for myself, I just like storytelling. And so that's really where the blog was born from is just my desire to kind of tell our story. Yeah, the other thing that I think makes you guys really unique is it almost seems like people don't ever really just talk about certain segments of agriculture. And it's almost like farming and ranching kind of fits into one category. And we don't put up any hay. I've always asked my dad about, you know, why? And he always says, we farm with our checkbooks. He's like, I grew up putting up so much hay and doing handline that I swore that I would never, ever do it again. And I would buy it all. And so it's interesting because I feel like I'm really involved in agriculture and I still get so much out of what you're sharing. And oftentimes I think as creators, we discount that. Like we're like, oh, every ranch has to buy hay or put up hay. They don't, you know, they know all of these things, but that's not necessarily true. Yes. And agriculture is so diverse. I think you're right. Like we all get lumped together. Um, and I get that it's one industry, but every operation looks so different from the next. And even with me growing up and we put up hay, but I still was shocked at how big of a market there is for hay or how many ranchers just didn't put up any. And obviously now that I'm in it, I get it. I'm like, it's expensive to put up hay. The equipment's expensive. So it makes sense to me that there's a lot of operations that would rather purchase feed. I get that. But at the time I was like, wait, that's, you know, there's a need for that. And and so it was surprising to me too, when we first kind of got into it, I was, I was like, okay, well, we'll sell, you know, to your dad's operation and maybe some neighbors, but then you're like, no, there's, there's a need for feed. <laughs> you you really don't have too tough of a time selling hay, really. Yeah. What is one of the hardest challenges you found about kind of juggling it all? And I know that's a term, right? We never really ask men or dads how they juggle it all, but, and we ask almost every mother, how do you juggle it all? But realistically, what are some tips or um, suggestions you have for people who are trying to share on social media, raise a family, you know, be in a marriage, have a side job or full-time job like your photography, all of these things, kind of what behaviors or habits have you gotten yourself into that kind of help make some of those things possible? So I think the best advice I could give is to just let go of your expectations of what you think it should look like especially mothers, there's so much pressure put on you to do things a certain way, to make it look a certain way. But at the end of the day, if your kids are well cared for, they're fed, they're loved, that is the number one. From then on, anything else you do is just extra. And that's kind of how I've always looked at mothering and what I do outside of the house is, you know, if my kids are well taken care of, my husband's still (laughs) still talking to me, (laughs) then, you know, it's, it's been a good day. And I think if you let go of those expectations a little bit, you're going to be a much happier person. If we hold on to that and think we have to do it a certain way, things have to look a certain way, you're going to struggle. It's going to be a struggle. And for me, I've just always been like, okay, kids are the priority. Everything else just has to be extra. Whether I juggle everything well or not, I don't know. But some, some days are easier than others, for sure. And it does get easier as your kids get older. I think, you know, you're told that, but it's hard to see it when you have small children. It definitely gets easier as they get more independent. Do you ever get into a creative rut? Oh, yes, for sure. And I feel like whenever that happens, I end up off social media. And I'm like, gosh, everybody knows I can't, <laughs> everybody knows I can't come up with content, um, which is fine. I, I also think that's good for you. 
anyways. But I also think creativity is a little bit of a muscle and I find that I'm my most creative when I am in it, when I am consistently writing, consistently blogging, consistently taking pictures, filming reels. That's when I am the best at it. I think when you step back from it, it's hard to get back into. And so for me, it's just better to just keep moving through it. And you're not always going to show up and think you're, you know, 100% inspired. But if you go out with the intention of creating something, usually inspiration will kick in for me, at least. Yeah, I just love your reels. We'll link to some of them. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You do a great job. But I think, you know, what you said is, 100% accurate, right? It's like the moment we kind of step back and say, oh, I don't know enough to create that reel or I, you know, I'm not quite ready to share this. It's almost like the effects, the negative effects, the negative self-talk just kind of builds on itself. And I even have a hard time if it's been three or four days or something or even a week or two weeks, whatever, and I haven't done any posting or anything like that. I almost have to talk myself into it. It's like, I'm worried that no one's going to like what I'm sharing. And I don't, no one views it from the other side, right? People just say, oh, they're busy, you know, right? other priorities. But it is almost a mind game that we have to play with ourselves when we are developing and creating content. Yes. And I am a competitive person. So I do well when I like set myself up for different challenges where I'm like, okay, I am going to have five posts a week for the next month. And then I can usually hit that because I've set that goal. I've made that challenge. Um, And so that works really well for me. And that doesn't mean every single one is a hit, but it's still forcing me to be creative, which is ultimately for me, the goal of social media. Like I love, I love the growth and I love the community for sure. But social media started out as an outlet for me. And I think I've just kind of continued that. And now it's grown into a way for me to connect in the ag industry um, and to kind of educate a little bit as well, too. Yeah, what would you say your audience is? Is it primarily people in agriculture or primarily people not in agriculture? It's actually probably a pretty good mix of both, I would say, because with the house and I share some different farmhouse stuff, I end up with some followers that are more interested in that. And so then when they see the farm aspect of it, they're kind of already, they're already in it. They're already, I wouldn't say hooked, but they're following me for house stuff. And then they're like, oh, but she has this side of her too. And I always, I don't know, I shake my head a little bit when everybody's like, you got to niche down. Everybody has to niche down on social media. And I'm like, yeah, but why? We're all like multi-passionate people. And I, for me, social media has always been about, you know, sharing what inspires me and my life and what I think's funny. And so, yeah, I definitely keep it in the ag sector as much as possible. But I know I have people that follow me from outside the industry that are interested in home decor and raising children and that type of thing too. Do you have a fall or spring production sale? On March 26th, April 23rd and 25th at 7 p.m., we're hosting our annual production sale classes. This year, we're gonna be covering the importance of investing in your future and what that looks like. Caroline will teach you strategies to create content that will impact your marketing structure for years to come. Don't wait. These classes are limited to the first 100 people to sign up. You can sign up now at krosecompany.com backslash seedstock dash class. Let's talk a little bit about that farmhouse. So you built a house. 
but you have done a really great job of kind of integrating old and new. So tell me a little bit about your guys' project. Yes. So like I said, we were plan we were always planning on building down here, or not always, but since we ended up with the farm, it was we had a vision for building a farmhouse. Luckily, my husband um, didn't have a lot of opinions with design. He had kind of opinions about the layout and you know, size and that type of thing, big kitchen, which I was like, obviously, we have, we have three sons, we need a big kitchen, and big, great room, um, a place for them to have, you know, their own space that was not in the main living room. And so we agreed on a lot of that. And then I wanted it to feel like a traditional farmhouse, but obviously with modern amenities. And so we, we, I say we, I just kind of combined those two things, the traditional with the modern to make it work best for us. And you source pieces, right? That's kind of what you you find pieces on Facebook Marketplace or yes. somewhere and bring them yep. back to life. Yep. And I, yeah, that's kind of another, you know, another hobby, another figure outable that I was like, oh, I bet I could paint furniture and anybody can paint furniture. <laughs> so, so yeah, and I'm in, with being in Eastern Montana, my aunt actually started doing it in Western Montana and they were having a tough time finding furniture because everything over there just is busy. And so I was having better luck with it. And then I was, okay, well, I can't fill my house with all brand new expensive furniture. I'm going to have to find some used pieces. And so that I was really, and still will be back into refurbishing furniture once the weather warms up. But I spent a lot of time last spring painting furniture for the new house and just painting in general. And I think one of the cool things is, at least from my perspective, it's a it's a true hobby, right? It's not, you haven't made it, turned it into a full blown business or, and I think as creatives, oftentimes we're like, well, I can refurbish furniture and then I can sell it. And now I have another job. Right. Yep. And I'm always looking at pieces and that's even, somebody told me once with the one that's in my bedroom, they're like, you could sell that in Bozeman for a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, but that's not why I did it. I just, I liked the piece. I thought it would look pretty in my bedroom. So I painted it for myself, which is, I mean, you have to have those hobbies too. You have to have things that you do just for you. Yeah. And I don't think in agriculture, we talk enough about that, right? It's not, you know, a lot of people don't have the option to go do a paint and wine class. I mean, there is some restrictions when you live 30 minutes or an hour from a big community. And I think that kind of leads us to staying home more, which is great, right? But I don't think we talk enough about the beauty of hobbies and having something that just helps us decompress, think about the day. And ultimately, I think a good hobby will make you more productive in the rest of your life. Oh, for sure. And even just when you talk about mental health um, in agriculture, like having things outside of ag to kind of clear your head and just kind of ground you a little bit and take you out of that season of whatever you're in when it comes to egg, because there are definitely tough seasons that you're going to need something outside outside of egg to bring you, you know, to bring you back to life, essentially, because it is it can be hard. And so for me, I've always been somebody who has a lot of hobbies. When people talk about not knowing what they'll do with themselves when they retire, I'm not that person because like, I can fill my time with walks. I can do this. I can do that. Like I can fill time, not an issue. But that for me is always, I always have had hobbies. I always prioritize hobbies. And like with my husband too, you know, he has a few things he likes to do. He likes to golf and I'm never going to be like, no, you can't golf because that's something that gets him off the farm and away from it all. So 
I think men and women both need those outlets for sure. Yeah. And they don't have to include an income. And for we, sure. In agriculture, we're good at being creative, but it's almost like, I mean, I know you have chickens and we'll touch on that next, but it's almost like people are like, well, I got 10 chickens. Now I have to sell eggs. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't actually have to turn every single moment of your life into income. We can have some things that yeah. we just settle in and enjoy and maybe we gift the eggs. I mean, right? It doesn't always have to be this financial transaction. And yeah, we're just, we're good at making revenue in agriculture with all of our time. And I think we're in an era of like side hustles where, you know, everybody thinks they need to have a side hustle where, yeah, sure, have a side hustle, but you don't, you don't need seven. Like you can just do stuff for fun. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your chicken. So they have made quite the appearance on social media. Yes. And I am um, curious kind of how you got started getting them. You said it was for your kids. So I'm curious how that's, and then, you know, what are some things you've learned from just raising chickens and adding that piece into your guys' family? Yes. So my oldest son actually brought the idea up and told me one day, we we were living out at the farm and he's like, mom, we should get chickens. And I think it, it was probably January. And literally that night I was like, you bet, let's do it. And so I started researching what we would need. Um, I knew we could get chicks in the spring. So I was like, this gives us a little time to plan ahead. And then we just, like I say, I just figure stuff out. I don't, I didn't do as much research as I maybe should have, but we just went to the feed store. Uh, my middle son picked out, I think we picked out eight that first year and came home with them and had chicks. And it, I mean, it went pretty well. I think we lost one that first year other than it was also the year that was after COVID. And so chicks were kind of hard to come by. And so they weren't sexed. And we ended up with a few roosters, which is not ideal. I think half of them were roosters. And two of them turned out to be kind of mean roosters. So I feel like we got an education in chicken keeping very early on in that we had to deal with mean roosters, which everybody I feel like if you're going to grow up on a farm, you have to have a mean rooster story as a child. Like that's just part, has to be part of your origin story. The time you got <laughs> attacked by a rooster. Um, so I gave my kids that a nice origin story, but we ended up converting the old outhouse that was already out here into a chicken coop. And it just was a nice project for us to have one spring as we were kind of waiting for busy season. And then the next year we got more chicks because that's what everybody does. When you end up with chickens, you just keep getting more. And so now we're up to a dozen chickens, a dozen hens and a rooster. And it's, this is a good number. One rooster, he's not mean, he doesn't chase anybody. And so we're at a good spot as far as chicken keeping goes. I think it was MP on social media, Mary Pat, who said she did the, the math conversion about buying eggs in the store versus having your own chickens. And she said, Having your own chickens is not a solution for cheaper eggs necessarily. No, no. People think, I'll just get 10 chickens and then I'll get all these free eggs. And she's like, actually, it yeah. costs a lot more money. Like we are invested in this for more reasons than just to get free eggs. For sure. You have to actually like chickens if you're going to do it because they are, they're not a lot of work. I mean, chickens are really relatively very easy, but there is some overhead with them besides, you know, just feed even. And so you do have to take that into consideration. So don't buy, don't buy chickens if you just want cheaper eggs, um, because it's, that's not the case. Yeah, just go to Costco. Yes. Um, tell me what's kind of next for your guys' family. Where, 
what are some things you guys are working on or what does the next couple of years look like? Um, well, this next summer, I'm just excited to kind of settle into the house and farm from here and not, we actually have air conditioning in this house, so that's going to be different. We, we're still on the fence about adding chickens. We're always kind of looking to expand the operation as far as farmland goes, but you know, that just, that you can never guess when that's going to present itself. It's just trying to be ready and putting yourself in the right place at the right time to make it happen. And so I feel like that's a forever thing. We'll forever do that. But we are pretty much, I think there's one field that is an alfalfa this year. So we're almost full production going to be this year, which just means, you know, lots of hay, lots of cuttings and another busy season ahead of us. Hopefully we get a little rain just so we're not irrigating nonstop. But again, you know, none of that stuff can be predicted. You just kind of got to be ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was a great conversation. Thanks for being on. Um, I think it's important to kind of show your story about, you know, being growing up in agriculture, then kind of venturing off and then finding yourself back in that everyone, I always say everyone who wants to be in agriculture, we need them no matter what it looks like. If you want to be a part of providing fuel and fiber to the world, we need you part-time, full-time, side hustle time, any of that. And so I appreciate your story and I love following you on social media. So like I said, we'll be sure to share your handle and everything in the show notes. But why don't you tell everyone again, your blog and then the best place to follow you on social media? Yes. So the blog is WhitneyOutWest.com and then Instagram is WhitneyBird.mt. And like I said, if you find me on Instagram, you'll be able to find the blog. So that's probably the number one place I would look. And if you are interested in hay, um, we do have that website as well, which is birdhayfarm.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. This was great. Yes, thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember, the grass is greener where you water it.